0: A look at urologic services and prostate cancer on this episode of Curating Care, a podcast brought to you by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. I'm Amanda Wild, and joining me is Dr. Shalyn Sagel, urologic surgeon here at St. Clair Health. Dr. Sagel, great to have you here.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: At urology, it requires a broad range of competencies to treat a variety of conditions. Can you explain the services a urologist provides, and why someone might seek your expertise?
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great question. And a lot of people don't know the answer to that, Amanda. But urology has a huge breadth. I mean, on a daily basis, I see urologic cancers, specifically prostate cancer, kidney cancer, bladder cancer, testicular cancer, cancers of the upper urinary tract. And it runs the gamut to erectile dysfunction, men's health issues, testosterone deficiencies, infertility, a lot of quality of life aspects of care we administer, for instance, helping people attain continence, helping with urinary frequency, etc. We also do elective procedures, vasectomies. So there's a huge breadth to the field. We always say at some point, somebody's going to need to see us, whether it's when they're 15, 50, or 95.
0: I was going to say, you must see most of the adult population.
1: Right, for sure.
0: Now, you're board certified in urology, completed your residency and fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Can you talk a little bit about your own experiences and why you chose this field?
1: That's exactly right. So I finished my training at the University of Pennsylvania, and my wife's from around the Pittsburgh area, and you always go where your wife's from as a rule. So I chose urology because I think in medical school, you have to make a decision as to whether you want to be... A primary medical doctor or a surgeon. And I was pretty sure after doing my clinical rotations that I wanted to do surgery. And most of the urology and urologic surgeons that I met were happy surgeons. They were able to fix their patients' problems pretty readily, whether it was a cancer issue or if it was a urinating issue or infertility issue or a simple procedure like a vasectomy. So a lot of the surgeries are successful. There's a huge breadth to the field like we talked about. So if you get very interested in one aspect of urology and urologic care, you're able to specialize with that you can do very, very big surgeries. So you can take bladders out and form new bladders with intestines, and you can do very small procedures like doing scope-based procedures. So it gives you that ability. In addition, a huge part of what we do is an office-based practice, right? So we're kind of the medical doctors of the urinary tract to treat urologic conditions with medications, behavioral modifications, etc. So I think the breadth of the field is very attractive. The fact that the therapies we administer tend to be very successful. And that's what drew me to the field.
0: Yeah, success is a good thing. You also were working in a large urban health system in Philadelphia and then moved to a community-based health system. What are the differences there? or What was that like for you?
1: It carries a lot of similarities and differences. I think one of the similarities is that, and feel blessed to be part of St. Clair Health and the entire system here because we administer pretty sophisticated care for urology here. I mean, we have five very talented urologists We have the ability to consult with tertiary care centers and execute that care plan. So, I think in that regard, what I was doing in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania is similar, meaning providing a high level of care to individuals, tackling tough urologic problems, and tackling them in a sophisticated way. I think one of the differences and one of the things that's gratifying is that we're able to administer that care to the community that we live in. You know, when you're in an urban setting like Philadelphia, you'll see people that travel in from hour, two hours away, people that are down the street. But at St. Clair, it's neat because I'm truly practicing in the community that I live in. I live just minutes from the hospital. So that's one of the most gratifying things for me and probably one of the biggest differences between an urban center like the University of Pennsylvania and St. Clair Urology.
0: Now, we are going to talk about prostate cancer specifically, focusing on this because it's pretty common. One in seven men are diagnosed with prostate cancer, and it is the most common type of cancer for men in the U.S. When should men start to consider seeing a urologist just to start screening?
1: It's actually one of the more controversial topics in all of urology and primary care because preventative medicine is important and it's been a topic of conversation for probably the last 10 or 15 years in urology. But we tend to practice by the American Urological Association guidelines. And what they say is that men aged less than 40, typically we don't do prostate cancer screening because it's not considered to render a health benefit to them. And then you have the next age group, which are men aged 40 to 54. Those individuals routinely, the American Neurological Association says, uh, do not need to get screened for prostate cancer. Having said that, there are some caveats, right? So if individuals in that age group have a family history of prostate cancer, and certainly if they have a family history of significant or lethal prostate cancer, or an African-American race, then we should strongly consider doing prostate cancer screening in those aged 40 to 54. The biggest group where we do prostate cancer screening are men aged 54 to 69. By the guidelines, that's the group where you should have a rational conversation with them and discuss kind of the merits of prostate cancer screening. And typically what that involves is checking a PSA, which is a blood test, Amanda, and then doing a prostate exam, a rectal exam, And as a blanket statement, in general, men aged 70 and above or with a more limited life expectancy, we don't do uh, prostate cancer screening. Having said that, I think all of this has to be a good rational conversation between the urologist and the patient to determine what's best for them.
0: So the screening process is a physical exam and a blood test. That's correct. And if prostate cancer is detected, then what? What are the treatment options?
1: One of the great things about prostate cancer, not that you want to say any cancer is a great thing, but when it comes to prostate cancer, there's a whole slew of different treatment options. In actuality, a lot of the low-risk, low-grade prostate cancers we are watching, and we are watching in a careful way. We're watching them with exams over time, PSA checks, which are blood tests, MRIs of the prostate biopsies over time. Some low-risk prostate cancers we're starting to see more in the realm of chronic diseases, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, high lipids, where it's something that we should monitor and take further action if it changes over time. Having said that, there are clinically significant prostate cancers, and we have um, whole algorithm with which we use to try to figure that out. And if the prostate cancer does fall into a category that deserves treatment, the two biggest categories of treatment are surgery and radiation. So we have a rational conversation with the patient about what might be best for them. In addition, there are other treatments for prostate cancer, including radiation seeds, freezing the prostate, high intensity frequency ultrasound. Uh, so there are a number of different choices. I always tell people, I want patients, when they hear that diagnosis, because when they hear the C word, obviously they get very concerned. But I want them to know that there's many things that we can do to try to fix it. And frankly, we usually can fix it. What are the statistics on that? So it certainly depends on the kinds of prostate cancer that's discovered. For low-risk prostate cancer, I would say it has an excellent prognosis. Intermediate and even high-risk prostate cancer has an excellent prognosis. I think that one of the questions that we have is how can we fix this in one fell swoop, right? How can we fix this with just surgery or just radiation or one therapy rather than resorting to multiple therapies? So for all but the very high-risk, high-volume diseases, it tends to have an excellent prognosis.
0: On the subject of surgery, St. Clair Health invested in the newest model of the da Vinci surgical system, and in the U.S., 75% of prostate surgeries are performed using the da Vinci system. Tell our listeners what robotic-assisted surgery means and the benefits of using this method.
1: It's funny because there's a whole generation of urologists that consider themselves to be robotic prostatectomists, meaning that the primary way where they learn to take the prostate out is with a robotic technique. And I'm no exception to that. But I think the benefits are the visualization is better. The blood loss is less. The recovery is better. Individuals oftentimes don't need a narcotic medication after surgery. I just did a robotic prostatectomy yesterday and I spoke to the guy and he said it just felt like he did a bunch of sit-ups, which is pretty darn good when you compare it to the old-fashioned way that we used to do it with a big incision. Patients required narcotic medications for a number of days afterwards, etc. I think that the kind of the trifecta of outcomes which we use to determine a patient's success after surgery, whether it's Cancer outcomes, potency, and continence are similar between an open technique and a robotic technique, but the recovery itself tends to be better with a robotic technique.
0: Yeah, sounds like it can be dramatically better. One of the tools you mentioned was tertiary care centers, and St. Clair is a member of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, which allows for second opinions from a Mayo Clinic specialist or subspecialist. What does that mean for you and for your patients to have access to that kind of clinical collaboration?
1: I think it's a real privilege for us and for the patients because oftentimes we can administer the care, right? We have the medications to do it. We have the surgical expertise to do it. But the problem is complex. If an individual has multiple urologic cancers or they have a unique urologic cancer, we can certainly do the surgery. We have the ability to do that. We have five great surgeons in our group. But the real question is, is that the right next step? And so being able to use the Mayo Clinic to determine whether this is a rational next step. So first of all, it's a great resource for our practice to know that it's there, to know that you have kind of this backup opinion that you can get in a pretty expedient way. When we submit a request to the Mayo Clinic to see what their opinion is, they usually get back to us within a week or so. And to have that as a second opinion and have a group of five urologic surgeons that are doing surgery at a high level is remarkable that St. Clair has that.
0: It's one of your many effective options that you've described today. Dr. Sagel, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and unpacking that wide, wide world of urology with us today.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure. And thanks for having me, Amanda.
0: That was Dr. Shalyn Sagel, urologic surgeon at St. Clair Health. To contact Dr. Sagel, please call 412-942-4100 or visit stclair.org. Please rate and review this episode and check out all podcast episodes at stclair.org slash curating care. Thanks for listening to Curating Care brought to you by St. Clair Health.